Bienvenidos a Humilde y Poderosa, a Spanglish celebration of all that is brown and beautiful. Yo soy la mera mera la Sofía. On this episode, we travel back to our humilde beginnings of Yovan y de la mera mera. To start off this show, this is our introduction to who we are. Yo soy la mera mera la Sofia, and I'm going to introduce my good friend Yvonne. Hello. And we're drinking to start off this show. I'm sorry I'm so if this offends anybody. No, I'm not. I'm not really sorry. Anyway, what are you sipping on, Bunny? I am drinking Corona seltzer. Looking for you know. <laughs> Um, I've come a long way from the bottle and the limes, unfortunately. I, uh, I'm sipping on some Captain. It's tasting really yummy right now. That's very much you, though. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so we've adapted, right? Going from mm-hmm. Corona to Corona Seltzer. Mm-hmm. Good job, mm-hmm. good job. I saw that. I actually wanted to try it. I just, I'm not, uh, not there yet. But I'll, I'll be there someday. <laughs> Yeah, it's all, it's all. You gotta take one for the team. I feel it. Yep. It's good. It's all good. This is a bilingual celebration of all that is brown and beautiful. This is our humble but yet powerful perspective of life in the Midwest. What? I said it. The Midwest, yes. but probably not where you think. Nope, we're not in Chicago. Nope, not in Minnesota. Nope, not in Iowa. And yes, we are in Nebraska. Nebraska. <laughs> yes, go Big Red. This is the place where people are nice to you. It's a place where it's a special place to raise a family. And it's a special place where the growing immigrant population is working hard to keep food production in this country going. And that's uh, especially important right now. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about who we are and what makes us um, humble but yet powerful. Let's talk geography. Only a river separates us from Iowa. We are from the south side, which is a very highly Latino immigrant population. On the north side of the town is predominantly african-american but a very very diverse growing population including asian and latino populations on the west side is predominantly hueritos white but also is growing in diversity we are from the south side we were recruited here by the meat packing plants or by the railroads back in the day and this is where we'll probably end up on the south side what about my spanish i've been singing in spanish for 10 years it's perfect singing yes but when you speak it you speak it a little funny and down there you got to speak perfectly or the press will eat you up and spit you out alive i've seen them do it overreacting is usual yeah the music will speak for itself dad listen being mexican-american is tough anglos jump all over you if you don't speak English perfectly. Mexicans jump all over you if you don't speak Spanish perfectly. We've got to be twice as perfect as anybody else. You remember 
We are a spicy breed of feisty Latinas. Woo, watch out. We are second and third generation Mexican-Americans who are educated and talented, of course. Let me introduce you to Yvonne. She is fiercely independent. She is fearless and will put you in your place for the greater good of all people. She's a fighter. She is a force to be reckoned with. We are so privileged to have her here in this crazy group show that we are creating. And I am your hostess with the mostest, Soy La Mera Mera. I am a born entertainer that is passionate about serving her community. I'm sorry I do cuss like a sailor or a dirty pirate, whatever you want to call me that day. Um, we hope to inspire, educate, and entertain you with our podcast. Thank you for listening, and we hope that you become a part of the show. This will give you a little bit of connection to who the people are in the Midwest, um, in the middle of the country we are. In the in el ombligo, como dicen, and it's just a different perspective, and we want you to have a great time while you're with us. We might insult you, we might surprise you. Don't get offended, okay? These are our perspectives and our stories. We can't make this shit up. We just can't. So let me tell you about our humble beginnings since day one. Oh, baby. I, Sophia, was a tomboy that is everything Midwest. I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood that has always been a city of immigrants. So I learned about being a female, we'll say it that way, <laughs> through my older cousins and close friends like Yvonne. These young ladies uh, that I hung out with were always so stylish. Ooh, and y'all had the moves. Baila, 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 nena, baila. We kept up with La Cultura Mexicana because we were living that life right here in Nebraska. What? Yes, I'm so serious. It's called Nebraskenias. Say that with me, Yvonne. Nebraskenias. <laughs> we too yeah. paid homage to Islos when we watched Mi Vida Loca or American Me or Blood In, Blood Out too many times. But it was an influence right here in South Omaha. That's our barrio. That's our hood. And just like them, everybody had a nickname. There was um, La Angel. There was uh, Lady P. There was Queen P. There was Mama P. And number one P. What did the P stand for, you ask? I know. Well, we created our own little clica that took advantage of as many battles as we could to get what we wanted. You remember, Bonnie. There were many before yeah. us, but some of us got really good at it. What? What? It was not, <laughs> I was not the best of, at it. I, I don't know why, but damn, Lady P, Yvonne, she knew what she was doing. She just needed to flash those green eyes into any damn vato. Boom! Lo que quería. P 
PK all day. Man, we had fun times. We had sad times. We've made many memories and got ourselves into some situaciones. It's okay. That made us who we are. And now we are educated, older, and wiser. We're getting ours these days by working hard and through dedication. Yeah, we've all been burned by those pinchy vatos. So we just learn to depend on ourselves to reach our goals. And you're going to hear all of our stories. Um, but for now, let's move on. So it's time for a brown perspective. This is the part of the show where we talk about what's going on right here in el ombligo del país. So I want to start with Yvonne. And she's going to tell us her story about being humilde y poderosa uh, in Nebraska. How do you feel about that? I, over time, um, have become really aware of the Midwest and the people and the beliefs and the culture here. And um, so I was really excited to have this, to receive your invitation to be a part of this program um, because I am a... On my mom's side, a second generation immigrant. On my dad's side, first generation um, immigrant mm-hmm. family, um, Mexico. Mm-hmm. So um, I watched my mom and dad work blue collar jobs. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned before, I have green eyes and I'm light skinned. So I have now become aware of uh, my white passing privilege. Ooh, okay. um, and I. yeah I look I look back and I I'm aware of um some of that uh that I was able to use growing up that that probably got me ahead um in certain situations so um I guess my life lesson is acknowledging my privilege um but staying humble with it and that's why you know, the title to this podcast was so important to me because despite everything, I reflect back and it always takes me back to that humble um, recognition, um, admiration of being uh, an immigrant in this country, of an immigrant family, Mexican immigrant family. Um, and then and using my heart and knowledge and, and mind to help others. Eventually went to law school and now I'm a, a lawyer um, so yeah, when I reflect back on all, the, yeah, reflect back on all, all the situations that I've been placed in, um, I do, yeah. Hold on, time out. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear that? She went to law school, <laughs> foes. Yeah. She's a lawyer. Yeah. Just sip so- to that. Como? <laughs> <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. How has white America treated me? Well, I can tell you that as you get closer to the glass ceiling, if they're really, no one is really going to help you up. Um, um, and so as I've progressed in life, there's been less and less um, nice Midwestern hospitality. <laughs> ah, okay. So, um, if I could tell my 15 year old self something, I think it would be, um, to slow down, (laughs) um, to slow down, but, um, to 
to, to take it easy in meeting my goals, to not overly stress my younger self out. Um, I think that's what I would tell myself. Let's talk about that a little bit. Overly stress your 15-year-old self. What were you like when you were 15? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I was definitely bossy. <laughs> You know, and it's taken becoming a mother and seeing my own kids and how bossy they are for me to realize how, just how bossy I was. I was the oldest, <laughs> oldest yeah. of three girls, so I was the oldest child. And so a lot of times I had to take care of my siblings while my parents worked second jobs. And and so I was used to having to take charge, but I... So let me just give an example of that. Like, we used to yeah. live a block away from each other, and I would go to Yvonne's house after school and she would be like washing dishes and uh, putting dishes away. And I was like, damn, I felt like bad for her. I was like, oh shit, you gotta do all that. Like I get to go home and play, like how does that work? And it's just a difference of, I was the baby of the family. You were the oldest. And I guess I just never realized that that's what happens when you have parents that are working second, third jobs, um, mm-hmm. you know, you have responsibilities. It's not like, oh, a vez en cuando you have to, you know, clean frijoles for your mom. It's like, no, you got shit to do like every day after school. And that's what you better be doing. Yeah. And I think culturally too, I mean, because you had an older brother and some of our other close friends had older brothers. And I don't know if it was the same for them, but just culturally you're raised, if you're the oldest and you're a girl, you know, to prep you for that marriage life. I, like, for instance, my mom always told me, um, marry a lawyer. Marry into someone who, who's making home that money uh, or bringing home that money. Um, it wasn't until I had made it my own goal and basically told her that I thought I could do it myself that she realized that she was kind of prepping me for that position as a wife. And uh-huh. she she really never contemplated me being the, the breadwinner of my own yeah see for me it was like through my first marriage where my mom was like oh yeah you should probably learn how to make rice and how to like make some shit for your husband i'm like huh uh no (laughs) no thank you um he can cook (laughs) she's like uh no you need to like serve your husband and my tias would all look at me crazy because he was like serving himself i'm like okay y'all never tell me this shit like how am i supposed to know how to treat a mexican man like really oh that's a tell me about when you realized that you were brown um in a white america what is what was that like for you is there a specific time when that happened i'd say well there was a couple different times i didn't realize it at the time i when you're young you figure that you don't you've done something wrong or you you need to learn but i remember being at spring lake which is a school that's still around um and i had really long hair back then and my mom had put it into a braid and I took the braid out at some point during the school day and I had it kind of just, and I had put my head down on my desk and so my hair was kind of flowing over my desktop and my teacher came and said that my hair looked really bad, that that was completely inappropriate and I needed to have it tied back up. What? 
And so I, I realized, so then I thought that, I don't know, I just, I, at that age, I interpreted it to be um, that I was too young or that it really did look messy. Um, but now looking back, she just didn't re like really long, brown, full, curly hair. She oh, wanted shit. that hair put back. Um, and I, I remember she was white and blonde. Um, so that was, that's one time that sticks out to me in school. Uh -huh. um, another time, um, I have a stepfather, um, Mexicano. So his brothers came to stay with us at one point and one of his brothers started dating a girl from down the street. And I walked the girl home one day. She was, I would say 10 years older than me. Mm -hmm. um, I went into her house because she invited me in. I was in the kitchen. She had about four dogs that ran into the kitchen and because her mom was home. Mm -hmm. And her mom said, what did I tell you about letting these people into our house? Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, uh, I was up against the refrigerator and I was hitting magnets. And so I felt like they were, I was trying to hold them up so they wouldn't fall. And the dogs were just barking at me. And she said that. And I was just scared. And, oh, damn. Um, so that, that, that was definitely it. Uh, the time that I realized she means me, <laughs> those people, these people. Um, and so that's, wow. Um, yeah, so times like that where it was just like, oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not white. You know, I'm not, I'm different. I'm different, mm -hmm. definitely. And I think other times throughout school, even after we met um, in middle school, there was more of an influx of Latinos into the Midwest because of jobs, because mm -hmm. of meat packing plants. That's where we always attract, you know, hard workers. Yeah. Um, and we were trying to, I think find our place mm -hmm. and so a lot of times we would we would communicate with those who didn't speak English as their first language mm -hmm. um, and they introduced us to music and cumbia and, and so we had our school dance and it was you know we wanted to dance those cumbias that we just learned um, but it was not something that the rest of the school was prepared for us to to request but the you DJ know, didn't have the music did so. we even care though no. We didn't. I remember we I brought my CDs. Yeah. We didn't give a shit what they thought. We just did it. <laughs> we did it. And I, I'm proud of us for that because I think going into my 20s and older, I would have shied away. But yeah. because we were young and we had each other, we had formed our little our clica. We, we felt comfortable to that we knew we had people that also wanted to dance. Yeah. And I think it's it's just it's a result of being in a public school in a primarily immigrant city or growing immigrant yeah. city where we were right shoulder to shoulder with first generation immigrant students who didn't speak English, who didn't um, really know about American culture. And, and I feel like we just we kind of interchanged our cultures with theirs and made kind of a little hybrid of, of, of who we were. Um, I think that at one point I was kind of, I, I would like imitate, let's say like your experience or imitate other people's experiences be like, Oh yeah, I'm from Jalisco, you know, like what's up? <laughs> <laughs> um, but eventually like my, my 
American side would get in the way because they'd try to speak Spanish to me, and I'd be like, "Huh, what?" <laughs> because I wasn't—I wasn't taught how to speak Spanish. You know, like in my home, nobody really spoke Spanish to us. Yeah, cultural things, but not like that was my first language. My first language was English, and I kind of had to learn it out of. Um, I had my priorities straight, Yvonne. You remember, I had my priorities yeah. straight. I yeah. needed to speak to these hot-looking men that had nice cars and and took us to bailes and shit. I know where my priorities were at. at that time. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I think a part of us, the Poderosa side, came out because I think there was definitely a completely different perspective that some like second generation Latinos in our at our school took, which was those beaners. You know, how dare they not speak English? We don't want to hear that shit. We don't want to hear cumbias. We don't want to what you don't speak English. And so the Poderosas in us came out and said, you don't treat other brown people like that. For like, real. who are you to judge them? And so I think that contributed a lot to us saying. We do have this power within us to befriend um, our friends, our incoming students, and and no, they're not beaners, and no, they're not. Uh, they don't deserve you to look down on them, and mm-hmm. and so I think we took uh, a, we took advantage of our position and our power. Yeah, in state and music. Uh, definitely. And so, speaking of that power and privilege that we just gave an example to. Um, what has that meant for you now, like in your in your profession? Because damn, you are like the example of standing up for those who don't have a voice. Like that's it. Yeah, I definitely look back at that as kind of those initial motivators um, of wanting to speak on others' behalf. Uh-huh. But the legal field is so. Um, archaic it's just it's definitely a white man's world um and so there's so many barriers and so many glass ceilings that it's just it's day in and day out it it, it's it's tiring um Mm -hmm. so many times you have law firms that say that they want to hire qualified candidates and they want diverse candidates but either they'll tell you that the candidates are there aren't there or they don't know how to attract them um, and so then the, I feel like that puts the, the work back on me, work that I'm not pay, being paid to do to find them qualified candidates. Oh, um, what I've seen, yeah, what I've seen recently a trend is as as communities of color become more powerful financially, that they demand that whomever they pay to do their work, their services, whether it's accounting, taxes, law, consultations, that the firms have certain meet certain requirements so one day in the future when i'm financially powerful i would go to uh, an accounting firm and i'd say i'm only going to hire your firm if i see people of color in higher positions within this company but if i see all white men i'm taking my business elsewhere fuck yeah yeah so that unless we do that with one another i I don't see it changing because there's really not a financial motivation behind it Uh uh-huh yeah push it girl push through it and I feel like you do that all the time and you know that you have a community behind you thank you Yvonne for sharing your perspective and thank you for introducing yourself to us a little bit Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about me (laughs) 
<laughs> and then and then we'll get on with it. But um, so we're sharing our stories so you guys can get a little background of who we are, where we come from. Um, that way you guys can relate with us and, and we can talk more about these stories and uh, lift each other up. And how can females, um, Mexican-American, Latina, Hispanic, however you wish to identify yourself, how do we help each other break through those glass ceilings? Um, because we are powerful and we are humble. We know what it takes to what it means, what our communities are going through, what families are living through. I'm in the education field where um, I have worked, you know, firsthand with um, immigrant, first generation immigrant families who are dealing with a lot of shit in their homes. And so academics is not a priority for them. Me being Mexican-American, my power, my privilege is is to help those that need to understand this system. Because if you, you have to be able to work the educational system. I don't, I mean, of course, yes, there's other things that you can do. But you, in, in America, you have to have that certificate. And Yvonne, please correct me if I'm wrong. Like, you have to have that certificate. You have to have that yeah. document in order for okay. them to take you seriously. And it may not even, it may not be a college degree, but I mean, even a electrician that's licensed, it's that license that's going to get you those, the jobs, the better paying job. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yep. And it, yes, exactly. Thank you. I'm not just talking about four-year college. I'm not just talking about two-year college. There's trades. There's tons of ways to where you can contribute to your community if you choose to make this your community. My drive is to help families understand like this educational system and how to make it work for you and your family. Yes, honey, brown is beautiful. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. I want to thank Yvonne for being so open and vulnerable to us to share things about your past as well as your professional life. We love you. All right, y'all. You know we want to talk to you. So join us for the after party because you always know there's an after party. You can find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash humilde y poderosa. Let me spell that for you. H-U-M-I-L-D-E-Y-P-O-D-E-R-O-S-A. Instagram.com forward slash humilde y poderosa. On Twitter, it is humilde poderosa without the Y in the middle. Why? Porque son más putos. Just kidding. Love you. We will see you next time. Yo soy su servidora, la mera mera, la Sofía. Ciao!